welcome to Las Doctoras podcast. Led by our intuition, we are creating space for conversations, asking critical questions, and interrogating the oppressive systems of power we live in. We are your hosts. I am Dr. Renee Limas, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm a Cancer sun and moon with Pisces rising, mother of water. I am Dr. Christina Rose, pronouns she, they, Virgo sun, Aquarius moon, Gemini rising, mother of earth. We are grounded in a connection to ancestral wisdom. Our work is to heal the wounds of generational trauma, that is of white male and cis hetero supremacy, all while we create a way of being that celebrates, truly revels in the joy of our families and our community. Join us on our journey, not toward perfection, but into reflection, immersed in compassionate self-awareness and courageous action. Come, sit at our kitchen table, sip on some tequila with us, and let's change our world. Salud! Welcome to Las Doctoras podcast episode, I don't know what, 20-something? Anyway. Would it be the next one? Have we recorded? Uh, we have the other two, and then we have this one. Yeah, that's why I say I don't know what. Whatever it turns out to be. Yeah. But, yes. Here we are, early August. I have a month until I'm 41. Ooh, I know. I'm already, um, I, I'm going to need your address, your new address. <laughs> to send you some things. Really? Yes. Yes, yes. I, you know, you are a good gift giver. You are too. Oh my God. I came home with like a basket of goodies. It was so fun. But you like, you know, you got me that Dr. Christina, like you give like, I'm, I, you give legit gifts. I, I'm not going to lie. I, and, and I, and I'm, I've, I was actually better years ago when I had no kids and so much time to think about it. I like one year um, in my group of friends, I bought us all mugs with like our picture on it. And then oh. this was Chris. And then one year I made everybody little mini Christmas stockings with leopard print. Cause I love leopard print and their names. Like everybody's name was embroidered like on their own <laughs> individual stocking. I feel like when we went on that Christmas parade, you wore Something you all had matching hats with leopard prints. I had leopard. I had a leopard print Santa hat for sure. I mean, okay. so it. Well, you know how I feel about leopard print. I, <laughs> I love it because it reminds me of my cha- my son. You know, and but, it was yeah. my it was my first Halloween costume. My mom and I were matching leopards for my first Aww. Halloween. I have a picture so somewhere. Cute. Yeah, it was super cute. Um. But yeah, I'm like, what? Oh, I made I made aprons for all my friends one year. Um, oh, I, I one year I got everyone a martini glass with their name on it. Like I just I love things with like customized. Yeah, like, Etsy loves you. Etsy just loves yes. you. Yes, yes, yes. For for Santos's baptism, his like his little onesie. It had like a little tie, and then it said his name and had a little Aww. cross on it. It's super cute. Yeah, I'm all into like. For when I threw my cousin's bachelorette party, oh my god, you should have seen everything had her name on it. Like, this is so yeah, she had like a cup, she had a veil with her name on it. She had, oh my god, we had oh, we had shirts. Like, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Anyway, so we went on this retreat 
uh, it's been a week. It's been a week. We came home um, on Sunday. It's Monday. We came home Monday. Oh. <laughs> 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 Monday? Yes. Three days or four days? Or yeah, five? we've only been home like four days. Oh, and we wow. were gone for four days. Um, it was a beautiful thing. It was my first time being away from Jaguarcito uh, more than just a day and a night. Yeah. So it was, I just felt like I, a time was so abundant. I took like a bath every day. <laughs> you were all about the like. And I face masked it. Did you see my post in Las Sectors in the podcast? I was like, I guess that's what I would do. Case spa. That would be my ceremony. Too, mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. I saw that. Some kind of body language, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah. You were all about that, which is, it's great. And. We we had some we had some mezcal, which by the way I finished off last night because there was like one shot exactly oh, one no. shot left. No, I was like you went home with like I that when I got home like the next day I finished off the tequila because there's also just one shot left. So there was tequila, there was some self body love, there was an altar with all of our beautiful pieces there, a candle that went out after yeah. we both had talked, which felt very. The other thing that I think I w and I was telling Tommy like when I was telling like debriefing him from the weekend and I said you know one of the things that I love the most and I think where I find a lot of self-care is like I really enjoyed when we were just like drinking and being silly and like talking about like silly things together you know and laughing like hysterically at yes you know absolutely. like let's just you know and telling secrets <laughs> But like, it's, it's that, out there for the patrons, you know, <laughs> it's that like, um, it's that like, uh, you know, when you're 11 or 12 and you go on your first sleepover with friends and you stay up all night talking about boys or talking about whatever, you know, attract whatever you talk about, like, and it's just like silly things. And I, I just, there's such a deep part of me that craves that, you know, yeah. that made me feel really good. That make, that made me, um, I don't know, like it brought new life into me and yeah, I felt, even I was telling you when we were there, like in this quarantine, I mean, it's not that I'm not drinking, I'm definitely drinking, but I just, I haven't felt like I wanted to just like let go, like just relax. And one of the nights I was like, right after we got off the retreat, I was like, let's have a shot. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I just felt so good. for the second time, I think, right? And yeah had really and I mean I mean I, I did it too but I really felt you just like surprised by what came up but also just very like ready for yeah. for it and yeah. and I know you were you had been you had expressed that you know you felt because of COVID and the quarantine and and everything that's happening that yeah. you always had to be ready yes know? like I always had to, to like I yeah like I had to be ready to like go and do something and yeah. I was like yeah it felt good to not have that pressure and to not like um yeah like I could just kind of let go and, and relax but I mean I think maybe we can talk a little bit about what what the retreat was what the format was um just for anyone who's curious but this is what Sylvia Poreo who um I mean it's it's yeah mm -hmm. it's interesting mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we we invited her on our book club after we read woman who goes in the dark you have been working with her mm -hmm. um yes 
Suzanne, one of our other book club members, has been working with her, and you all kind For of a long time, much longer than me, yeah. And you all had talked about, you know, her her work and in her healing work. Mm-hmm. Um, so we invited her on into the book club um, to come, kind of talk to like Curanderismo, and mm-hmm. and then Suzanne put together this retreat that 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 um, Sylvia normally does in person, but obviously given the circumstances you know she wanted to do digital and and yes. she wanted to do a, lat, a latinx circle. only yeah a latinx circle and so it all yeah. came together and and um you and i were i mean we were trying to find a, a weekend and it happened to be you know the weekend after my partner got back from you know working yeah. so that was perfect you and i had been and, and we and i mean i think it was beautiful too because you and i were like let's go away. <laughs> and so, and you and I hadn't seen each other in like months, like seeing each other in person, especially because we saw each other often, you know, in person. And so, you know, I mean, so it was nice to be like, like a year ago when we saw each other, like every day, it felt like <laughs> school or for our kids school, for our work, you know, for yeah. for Samias, for Latina mothers collaborative. There was just a minute there, like, yeah, but and, we were, and it had been like five months, right, since we've seen each other, something like that. Since yeah, we something forward. like that, where we really were like in space together, like, yeah. you know, yeah. and and that was really nice, too. The to, retreat, honestly, that's the yeah. last time we really had time together in, was that January? It's true, yeah. it's true. Yeah. So it meant a lot. It was and honestly, actually, after reading over that letter um, about anti-black, you know, spiritual spaces, and also there's some... You mean a lot of the, the spiritual uh, leader who got called out? Yes. <laughs> and then I feel like I've been seeing more memes to our little, um, I don't know, was it Conscious Kid or something that was like... It was other things, like Women of Color Collective, but they were like, here's how you know if a space is safe for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and they have like a whole, you know, breakdown, like they should, you know, spiritual healers usually tell us, you know, where they're getting their their pieces for their altar. Yeah. They're, They're telling you who their lineage is. Like there is so much transparency. And, Um, and what they're like, the, the thing that I appreciated was like, um, what, yeah uh-huh well now what yeah what their healing modalities are and i think that's something too sylvia is very clear because even when we invited her to the book club to talk about curanderismo she doesn't even really call herself that right she said that it's people that she's worked with that have called her that and i tend to think that that there's something to be said about when you know your community gives you that designation versus you kind of like you know saying oh this is who i am this is you know almost like taking this authoritarian role versus the community saying we're going to look to you as this person you know that's a part of quinismo i think is that like i i was listening to esoterics ss last podcast and she interviewed (laughs) you know curandera and she was like that is a part of the the language around curanderismo yeah um it was so it's that with sylvia um it's also the, the fact that um, basically our retreat was just all of us together on a Zoom call for yeah. <laughs> eight hours three, a day. Three, for three, three days. days. 
and everyone going around and um, us all holding space for that one person and then Sylvia, you know, bringing her, her mirroring or her lens, you know, to, to this person, to us and just, and never, it was never, you know, the thing, it was, um, it always came back to that person, you know, it always came back to their journey, you know, even though Sylvia, that's the other thing I love about her is super transparent about her journey, you know, yeah. And she's, she has also, so she, the met, the methodology or the, um, you know, that she uses is inner bonding, which she, again, she's very clear where she learned that from. And then also how she, so she, she kept referring to Margaret. I assume Margaret is some sort of person who maybe uh, wrote a book or something about inner bonding. Is that, am I correct in that? Say, say one more time. I was going to say, um, Sylvia kept referring to, Margaret, right? And so Margaret being like this, I imagine this white woman who probably wrote a book or something about inner bonding and then does these like trainings and whatnot. And and again, the yes. thing that I appreciated from Sylvia was like, you know, she's saying, I love my teacher. Margaret is great. However, these are her limitations as a white woman. And yes. I'm taking this method um, and applying it to, to, you know, Latinas in this space, Latinx folks in this space. Um, and also, because and, there were times when she would say, oh, you know, the, curan- the curandera practice of, so, you know, there was this like organic meshing of these different modalities. I mean, I definitely heard her basically just say, this is the practice I learned. Yeah. And I, this is my ancestry. <laughs> Yeah. And this is how, and I'm, so I'm bringing my full self here, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was beautiful. And it, it astonished me every time that, and I, you know, we'll be clear that we're just going to talk about our experience. <laughs> Actually, that's a good, that's a great point, right? We're just- <laughs> um, but it, like when we talked and, and there might've been times when we were in our emotions, which, you know, Sylvia was like, yeah, you know, like, don't, don't try to shut it down. Like, you know, and then she was just able to hone that into this, you know, it's like, you know, I might've been like crying or something. She's like, yes. And sit in those feelings and, you know, what is your, or tap into your heart and what what is your inner child? You sound like her. Drop into your heart. And it was, and I, and I told her, you know, I said that in a family, like in my family, we're definitely allowed to have these like emotion. Well, allowed is not, we have these emotions, but, um, but they were often either shut down or they were met with higher emotion like I have to beat if you're gonna yell I'm gonna yell louder if you're gonna cry I'm gonna yes. cry harder yes. and here it was just so nice to be like let's ground you basically let's yeah. like take like if, if I was in my head or if I was in in the future the past or in someone else's perspective it's like you know just come come back to yourself you know like how yeah. are you you know what are you feeling so the process, I just want to also name, it's, you know, I think Leslie of Latinx Parenting, who also works with Sylvia, um, mm-hmm. uses some of this language, but I like the language that Leslie uses and around there being basically like, I don't know, 
I was going to say so many aspects of the self, but I don't know if I can speak to that yet. You have, we have our inner child or our mm. true essence, like that part of us that is, is there despite wounding, something like this, I'm going to say. Um, and then we have our wounded part of ourself, um, like the inner ninja, the inner wounded part um, that showed up to protect us, right, mm -hmm. in the face of trauma. And then we have our inner madre or our inner parent or inner mama who maybe is with us now as we are, like whether we are biological parents or if we're just at the age where we can be, you know, <clears throat> you know, yeah. mama. And then we have our guides and ancestors. Is that it? Is that yeah. kind of it? So like turn to for security in your, your spiritual sense or even like your physical sense you know too like your whole self and then your loving yeah. ancestors too knowing that they're they're with you and so yeah yeah all of those aspects come together to create your own basically your own therapy self-therapy and then mm -hmm. this retreat was meant i i felt and this is what i wrote in my review gave me practice in in doing that for myself you know yeah. and yeah and i think it i mean this whole week anytime something would happen i'd be like what is this like um the other thing that i i saw um sylvia sort of modeling in this was the idea of the stories that we tell ourselves you know the stories of that are often based in like negativity um and then to really say you know what is the truth you know what is the truth of that and i i found myself sort of doing a lot of that work yeah like i i you know, because when I came home, it took me, it took me like a few days to kind of jump back into reality. You know, it was like, <clears throat> you're going from this like Zen mode to like, bam, you know, kids and, uh, and, and um, I found myself getting like flustered. And then I was like, oh, fuck, I'm a bad mom because I've been gone for so long. And I, you know, I don't know, you know, and I was like, but that's, that's the story. That's this like, you know false story that i tell myself based on all these expectations that come from the world and that come from white supremacy and that come from patriarchy and i had to really be like what is the truth and that again that's something that i saw sylvia really modeling for us is like you know um getting stuck in those false stories and and really like what is the truth and i was like no i am a good mom i just maybe i'm a little tired or maybe i do need to adjust you know back into reality and it's okay and there's some heavy astrology going on and you know i need some rest and you know my body's going through changes and there's stress and so it's like allowing and i think that's where like when we say like we need to give ourselves grace and i remember thinking like how the fuck like how do i even do that and i think this really gave me a, a way there like a way to say yeah you're fucking stressed out because we're living in a pandemic. You're teaching seven classes. Your kids, you know, you're <laughs> you're making decisions about about schooling for your kids, and so yeah, you might be a little more tired and and on edge than normal, but it doesn't mean that you're a bad mom, you know. And I was like, I had to keep telling myself that, but um, but again, I think that Sylvia really allowed us permission to do that to say like. Yeah. You know, we can, it's it, because of course it's not true that I'm a bad mom, right? Like, yeah, my kids are healthy. My kids are happy. I give them a beautiful life. 
Totally. But it's a hard place to say that for ourselves, you know? I, so I'm really resonating with what you're saying. Monday night, I literally, or Monday evening, I was so excited to see Jaguar. I saw him, we hung out, and then I felt like both of my children, my other child being my dog, like, bark, like, were just at me. They just wanted my, and I was just like, oh. I'm here. I'm here. Let's lay down together. But there was a moment where I definitely just started like crying. I was like, oh. <laughs> I want to go back. I want to go back. <laughs> um, or For just sure. and, that, and then this the, the end feelings of like I should I should be really grateful. Mm-hmm. Have have time with them. I should. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but also kind of feeling like God, maybe you know, honestly, the world does not like moms, doesn't like kids, you know, like, yeah, you know, I think it doesn't support <clears throat> like healthy relationships between moms and kids, you know, um, or even dads and kids, parents and kids. Yeah. And so maybe there is like something that um, needs to change actually, you know, I think so a lot of, yeah, for me, what comes up in that is, um, First, when you're talking about like our essence versus our wounded self, and it, it had me kind of going back to our conversation in in our book club around astrology, you know, and like how the diff- our different placements can represent that, you know, that like wounded self or that um, that inner essence, you know, who or what we present to the world versus like who we are, you know, deeply on the inside. Um, I think there's something too in your last point about what motherhood, what parenthood is supposed to look like. And I think, you know, in a capitalist society, you know, white supremacist capitalist society, patriarchal, you know, all that, where there's this perception of it's um, it's the dichotomy of like, once you become a mom, your whole identity just shifts and you are, you are no longer a person. You are a mother first and foremost and only um, and that men <laughs> cannot take on those roles so that if you and I, as the women partners in our relationships are like, we're going to take off for four days. It's, and, and we're going to leave our children with their fathers. <laughs> we're just so lucky, Renee. We're just so lucky to have, you know, men who can step up because and, right this great article I have my students read nanny sex workers and maids and it basically says you know (laughs) that (laughs) that yeah the default parent is always you know the mother and then if they're privileged enough to to work or you know to take a break the default person is not the father it's it's another woman and it's usually a woman of color which is Mm -hmm. you know too but I think it's you know I think it's I think that's maybe the beauty too of our situations is that we feel confident leaving our kids with their fathers. I think in a, in a like, let's say Tommy had to go for a work trip for four days. The world would not think twice about it. Yeah. He's you're supporting him in his job, but here we are going for four days for a retreat for what might seem like an indulgence. Although I don't think it necessarily is. Right. But what might seem like an indulgence and, you know, pobrecitos were leaving <laughs> <laughs> um with you know with the kids um but i think i think and, and so in your point to say right like mothers are not supported in that way um you know the world 
you know, you've said this before, like just use us as vessels, right? To like propagate and make new children, but not like, you know, not really honoring that work. Um, anyway, I think, and I think that's a big part of this, like inner bonding too, is like, we, I mean, in my own family, my mom worked all the time and she yeah. did not take time for herself. Yeah. And because her mom worked all the time and did not take time for herself. And, oh, this is so good. and when I was, I mean, you know, my, my grandmother got married in her late teens, I think like she was 16 or 17. My mom got married at like 19 and had a baby, you know, they all had babies right away. And here I was the audacity to like, you know, not get married. Yeah. Go to school and, and so I lived a life as a woman yeah, that like birth control, you know, like, <laughs> like taking charge of your fertility. That's and, and it's not just that it's, it's my, I lived a life that my mom and my grandmother and my great grand, like I, the fact that I partied in my twenties, <laughs> that, that was like a whole new, like my mom had such a hard time. Like, what do you mean you're going to go out and you're going to be out and you're, or you're going to stay at your friend's house or like, you know, like it was just not, you know, like for a woman, for a girl, you know, to be going out and, um, or, you know, and I went dancing or whatever, like that was just, and, and if she did that, she did that with my dad after they were married, you know, and they were already like in this relationship versus even though I was in a relationship, I would still go out with my girlfriends, like, yeah, you know, without my partner. Anyway, I think, I th and so I, I think, think that's real, though. I wanted to say, I think that's totally real. Um, my partner was commenting that my, our, my mom or my, my foremothers, you know, they might feel like I, you know, that I'm doing something that I shouldn't, or they might feel envy, you know, they, mm. there might be something like the sense of, I never had that choice, you know? Um, yeah. And here I feel like we feel a lot that, you know, there's women, um, people who are more, much more empowered than us. <laughs> you know? Um, but for maybe like our families, like we're, we're this, these super audacious people when we actually don't, I mean, this is like when I'm my undergrad, people were like, oh, you're such a, you know, badass feminist. You're like, so like Bob bra burning. And I was like, you don't even know what a fucking feminist is. <laughs> I am not, I am not, you know, um, anyway, but we are, but we are, but we are. So here, like, I. I get uh, it. I, I get, I, I, I experience the same thing when people are like, Oh, you're so radical, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I used, I used to like bras. I still kind of like them. I'm you're like, like, I'm like, you have no fucking idea what radical is. Okay. Like yeah, totally. I'm married to a man like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, but I think that's, that's, a, that was, um, I think this is an example of the type of, of work that we did in the retreat with like looking inner bonding, right. And looking at like where, not just like what the wounds are, but where these wounds really come from, which is why I think like you said, I was so surprised at when I started talking about things and then you're like, Holy shit, where did that come from? Because you're able to make these connections about where these emotions come from um, and I think that's the gift that Sylvia has, where she's able to ask just the right question. You know, it's like, because you can ask a lot of very vague questions and eventually get to something, but she would be able to ask one question 
and get and gets in there and suddenly it's like ah. <laughs> falling apart because it taps into that one place in you that maybe you shut down or you had hidden and um, but it's that it's like getting to the, the 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 birth of these wounds like where are these wounds actually coming from and um, are they actually our wounds are they inherited wounds and you know how are we as like you said empowered people all of a sudden we're bringing up some shit not just for ourselves but for you know our ancestors can i just say something that i came up earlier and i want i don't want to forget it but it's connected to this too which is you know we were talking a lot about how we were parented by the wounded parts of our parents basically mm -hmm. you know? and actually what occurred to me earlier was that's the struggle for me. Mm. I think that in order to be a good mom, well, I'm divided. I think it's to be present and it's to be like engaging and playful and my true essence. But this world is hella hard. It's not, you know, for all these reasons that we talk about. And so my wounded self is constantly called on to protect and control. Mm. Mm. And and so sometimes being a good mom means I provided food and a house and I provided like a safe space, education. I'm taking care of my kids' education, all these like, you know, uh, default labors, emotional labor stuff, you know, that we talk about. And so that's sometimes being a good mom. But then really the other part of being a good mom is like being able to like just be present with my kid and play. But when I'm in my wounded self, I'm not able to do that, you know? And so mm. maybe that like, kind of all hit me that night and this week, which is just this, just being able to name that struggle. Well, and Sylvia would say that, that the wounded self that was able to protect us, we need mm -hmm. to be grateful that she showed up, right? Mm -hmm. That she came in and she did work for us because she did, you're right, she protected us from from the effed upness of the world that we didn't have the capacity to deal with at the time, you know, and even sometimes now we don't have the capacity to deal with it. And so we go into that wounded self in order to protect us from falling deeper into despair or whatever it is. And is that so, wounded self also protecting our children though? Is that the part that needs is called upon to mm. I, I mean, I think that, well, respons responsible mothers or something. I think maybe there is, maybe we don't want to conflate woundedness with protection, right? Because I think that there's a way that we can fiercely protect our kids without it being, without it perpetuating, because woundedness innately comes from some sort of violence, whatever wherever on that spectrum of violence you want to name it, right? Sometimes it's extreme, physical, you know, emotional, and sometimes it's, you know, whatever. Like but the wounded self comes from that. And so I think there's a way that we can be protect, fiercely protective of our children without it being, without it perpetuating that same type of violence. Oh, well, uh, this is interesting. I feel like this is like so metaphysical now. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know if I think the wounded self, which I kind of connect to the shadow self, or mm. I also connect to my Virgo ego, which is interesting. This, that mm. is like controlling. So this is part of that. But like, I don't know if it's causing further violence. I don't think it, I don't know if it has to. Mm. Yeah. 
like like um like our Unidos de Verano, right? There are classes this, this summer that are about oppression, you know, taking the Chicana mother work um, curriculum and breaking down to 12 weeks. And like, to me, that's in, like, it's, mm, it's the part of ourselves that knows that the world's not fair. Yeah. And so we want, instead of leaving our, our children, like we were to figure that out ourselves in part, mm-hmm. I guess I'm speaking for myself. It's, it's saying, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I learned, but I'm going to tell you the part that I want you to learn. Mm. Which is, this is, this is, this is how effed up our world is. You know, right. it's super white supremacist, male supremacist, class supremacist, like, and people are super invested in that and people collude with that all the time. But you, I want to name that so that you don't ever think that's you, right? Like, yeah, that your wounded self doesn't have to pretend that that doesn't exist or, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that, that makes sense. And I think, you know, I think, um, obviously, I'm sure Sylvia would have some, some words of wisdom <laughs> in this, in this topic. But I, I think, you know, you're right. Because really, that's where the truth is. And it is, but we just want to talk about it. <laughs> I, think, I think it's, it's to say that, um, that, you know, like she said, the wound, the wound itself came in to protect us. And like you said, it can do work to also protect our children, but we don't have to, our wounded self does not have to wound our children, right? Like you know, okay. our wounded self can come in and, and do the work because, and this is, this is the, the, this is, I think the big debate that's happening within spiritual circles within POC circles is this like balance between we want to go and we want to fuck shit up, (laughs) but we also don't want to perpetuate this colonized violence. Um, And so we want to tap into, you know, this inner deeper spiritual place, but then we don't want to go so far in that direction that we're not looking at the reality of the world that we live in, which is that, um, we want our kids to have the things that we didn't have, which are things like empathy and compassion and space for creativity and space yeah. to be their whole selves and language to be their whole selves. And yet we also have to prepare them for a world that may not accept their whole selves. And so how do we simultaneously say, be who you want to be, but <laughs> Not everybody might be down with that, you know, and yeah, the words that were coming to me were, you know, Poppy, the world wants you to be a laborer. <laughs> You're explaining to your almost five-year-old. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but no, this is, I know, right. Um, but I don't, I don't want to turn you into a laborer. So this is the thing, like when I'm like, we got to hustle, we got to get at it with like, we're, you know, working it, you know, yeah. I'm. I'm turning him into a laborer, you know, and I'm turning me into, I'm like, I'm saying that's what we got to do. The clock is more important than, you know, you putting on another pair of socks. <laughs> <laughs> or putting them on a certain way. Yes. Yeah. I can't put these on a fifth time so that they feel good. No, yeah. I don't. I, no. I, I'm there. And Santos will really make me take them but, off. Put them on. But yes, yes, yes. And I know there's a balance there, but I, sometimes I am... I am kept or whatever. I'm like, I am saying, 
the clock matters more than your feelings. And mm-hmm. I, and so, and, but, but at the same time, I'm saying like, the clock is, you know, the man, you know, you don't have to stick it to the man, you know, if I am microaggression making that, you know, yeah. I mean, it's about survival. It's about, I mean, I, cause I think coming to the place where I've been able to come to with my mom and all of our stuff is I have to come from a place of, she was trying to survive capitalism. Yeah. She was trying to survive, and still, right, is surviving capitalism, surviving patriarchy. And their way of doing it was to be laborers, right? Yes. In, a, in a country that said, you are lazy, you know, you are Mexican, you are lazy, you are a woman, you are less than. My mom's way of surviving that was to say, F you, I'm going to work harder and more and prove you wrong, right? That, that was her way of, 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 uh, per, of, of saving herself. And so then her, in her mind, whether consciously or unconsciously, you know, she was teaching me to do that because she's like, this is how you're going to survive this world is by making sure that you are doing more than the next person, that you are working harder than the next person so they can never tell you you always give everything so they can never tell you you're lazy so they can never tell you that you know you're less than you're gonna prove them wrong and what we're saying is try that no (laughs) you don't need to do that and that's and that's hard for for it's hard because our inner child wanted that from our mother um, our inner child didn't know that our mother had survived all of that shit and was only giving us the tool belt that she was given. And here we are saying, we want to give you another tool belt, but we still live in the same world our mothers lived in. We don't live in a different world than, than our mothers did. Um, and so it's like, how do, we, how, do we, how do we do that? Both, you know, teach them to survive the, the, these oppressions, but also push back on, on the systems that create those oppressions in the first place. I mean, we are totally getting like, <laughs> we're getting super meta right now, but. <laughs> well, I'll just ground it a little bit by saying something fell down in the other room big time. <laughs> um, my mother and father both, that was the, the message. I work harder, give 100%. And I fully ingested that, like, mm-hmm. when I was like, 16. And that's where I became super controlling of myself and as much as I could of my environment by. Mm-hmm. Be, you know, not eating and getting great, great grades. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I loved about inner bonding is the moment. So I know I was disclosing this subculture that I grew up in. That's uh, evangelical fundamentalist. And basically I was like a vessel to them, a mm-hmm. vessel of, you know, as I thought like future generations, but also um, a literal like, per, like, present vessel of white male, you know, supremacy in our world. And in that moment, right, when um, my parents, my family Mm -hmm. came, and what do you want to say to them? And I was like, oh, that's hard because I I feel like they survived so much, right? I don't want to, I want to have compassion, you know, for how hard it is to be brown in the, you know, born in the 50s. And Sylvia's response was, you know, your adult self can feel compassion 
but what is your inner, your inner Nina? What, what is your inner child feeling, you know? And that was a beautiful thing for, I think a bunch of us, for me too, that we could hold space for both of those things simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Just as we are. So, you know, that my inner child can feel deep anger and sadness for not feeling protected and taken care of. And that our inner, my inner mother could feel compassion for my parents while trying to protect me and my child, my, my literal child right now, you know? And then my wounded self could, I don't know what my wounded self does. Well, I think your wounded self, it was that little girl who needed to release that, who needed to say what she needed to say, who didn't have the language at the time to say, you're hurting me or I don't feel seen or whatever it was. You gave her language. Hella hard. My wounded part of myself worked hella hard to survive, you know, by almost like creating like a a bunker or a hill or something for my (laughs) child to like just like to hide in for a long time. Girl, I, I mean, I hear that. I, I mean, like I said, I was, I was shocked by, you know, just the questions that Sylvia was asking and she was like, you know, where, what's the, when's the first time, because I was talking about how sometimes I feel like I am being performative, you know, I put on this like facade of who I am and, um, when's the first time you, <laughs> when's the first time you experienced that? And I was like, Oh, and I was like 12 and then, okay, well, what was, you know, what else was going on at that time? And it just like, it, like it, it was like, bam, like it, you know, and then she was like, and what happened after that? And I was like, I went into fucking like protected, like after this stuff that happened to me at that age, I was never going to let anybody like fuck with me. And so I became this, I learned how to, how to shut down my own emotions and to switch them off at the drop of a hat and I yeah. still do that you know I still am able to, I mean I, I said when my dad died um I was pregnant and I was like no 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 girl you cannot be having a breakdown while you are you know I was just out of my first trimester and I was like no you, you ain't got no time to have a breakdown you know oh. you're you're working you're you know you have an almost two-year-old you're pregnant you can't you cannot break down in, you know, in the middle of this and I was like you're right no I gotta shut down I gotta like you know go into some other place and it wasn't until Santos was born that I was able to even even on some level allow myself but it was it was um, but I was able to like even even people ask me because at my dad's funeral when I did the um eulogy the eulogy and you know they're like how did you not break down and cry and again, I, th- I just know how, where to go in my brain to shut down those things. So for a long time, like I just, I was, I, you know, I, I can't cry in public or I don't, I don't cry, you know, like that. And so there I was in the middle of this retreat, like fucking bawling my eyes out. And I was like, where did that come from? And it was, it was, it was, it was for me. I was like, oh my God, I'm really crying. I want, I know I need to cry. I know this is it. I know I need to get yeah. angry. And I still was shocked because I, I was, I kept on thinking, I think I thought to myself, I'm going to just disappoint myself. I'm not going to be able to go there. Mm. 
like I'm going to sabotage this moment because I'm not going to be willing. I'm going to resist some part of me, you know, though I'm hearing you were like, you know, you like that was a, well, I don't know. Is that a choice? It wasn't a choice on your part either. It was kind of like your inner child was like, okay, I'm here. I just remember, I keep replaying this moment in my head where Sylvia is asking me these questions and all of a sudden it was like a, it was like vomit, right? Like it was like, it was like in the throat and I could feel it coming. And I looked over at you. <laughs> I, in my head, I saw myself looking over at you for like help, like help me. Something's about to come out of me and I don't know what to do. And you just looked at me and said, yeah, like you just like affirmed, you know, whatever I, you thought I was feeling. And I just started crying and it was like, it, it was, I, I, I replay that moment in my head over and over. Like I was like, la, 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 la. And then she asked this one question. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was like, like the crying. And it was, and I think, um, and then even when you, you know, had your moment and I was crying along with you and I told you, Honestly, I, said, I didn't have to look at you. Cause I could just, I heard you crying and I was like, <laughs> I was like, yes, that's what this is for. Like, thank you. You know, honestly, I think actually crying together is a real thing. I think there are like spaces like for that in certain communities where we're going to collectively cry. You know, we don't, you know, in Filipino culture, I guess there's movies you can watch that are supposed to help you cry. Oh, really? (laughs) They're like, it's like its own, you know, theme type of movie. I mean, I'm actually, that's what we do a lot in the U.S. We watch movies to help us, like, cry. I do that with music. Like, occasionally, there's, like, there's a a few songs that remind me of my dad. And so sometimes when I'm in the mood to, like, cry about him, I'll put the songs on. And then Mm -hmm. I just, like, uh, you know. Totally. I think that just having someone cry. Actually, I mean, we were gifted in that. We did this radical thing. We, we, we got an Airbnb together for the weekend. <laughs> but no one else was with someone else. Yeah. I, I really think that was such a beautiful privilege um, yeah. to have because I didn't have to, you know, yeah, I didn't have to. I'm glad I was there when you looked at me to say, like, <laughs> yeah. it was, I, like I said, it was just, and then, like, yeah, when you, when you started crying and, and I, again, was surprised because I think normally when I see other people cry, I go into that like, oh, I can't cry too because then yeah. I need to be the strong one for them. And I think so it was it was a lot for even me to allow myself to cry while you were crying so that we could just both be in the moment, you know. And but isn't that a beautiful thing? Why, yeah. you, know, you, you know, you go into a space. I do this too. And this is what, what survival techniques are for me. You know, other people can feel things and I can be there for them, but I shouldn't feel things. Mm-hmm. But what's gorgeous about inner bonding or this, maybe this retreat in particular, because I can't really speak to other things that much, is that every person that shared, you sharing spoke to something that was deep inside of me mm-hmm. too. And then, so crying for myself and with you was like simultaneous. And yeah. then when Sylvia spoke, you know, to each of the people and to you, I was just like, I felt like the message was for me too. It was like yeah. this beautiful thing, you know? Um, yeah, no, I think a lot of the people, you know, again, we just want to speak to our own experiences, but I, Every time somebody had an issue and I was like, oh, shit, that's, yeah, mm-hmm, I hear that one. And then whatever words Sylvia might come in with, you're like, we're all, like, writing notes down, <laughs> right? Like, 
killed my journal. I was like, oh god, I got a new journal. Yeah, and 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 I think that that's that's so powerful, you know, to be able to like see ourselves in other people, um, in other people's struggles, even if it's not exactly the same. Yeah. But still know that the lessons in in their experience are going to be lessons for us too, or you know, the words of wisdom that apply to that person are going to apply for us too, and. Um, I think that's, to me, you know, I, I was just got off a call. So tomorrow there's going to be a, a decolonizing homeschool panel. Um, <laughs> um, shout out to Unidos Homeschool Collaborative, Marla Sanchez. <laughs> um, and I'm going to be the, the Zoom tech person. And anyway, so I was on this call and we were, we were kind of redefining, like, what is decolonization and what does it mean to decolonize homeschooling and, you know, getting into these larger questions of, like, decolonizing um decolonizing education in general right and 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 de-schooling and on all these different like terminologies and it has me really thinking too about decolonizing healing and what does it mean to actually create community it to me like this theme comes back to community and i think that and this also has me I don't know if I want to say this, but <laughs> it has me thinking a lot about Latina Mothers Collaborative. And um, I was talking with her friend Danelia <laughs> about this. And I was saying that for a long time, I want to say most of my life, I mean, I've had, I have, I have had really good friends in my life, but they've come and go. And I think a lot of it was coming from my mom's wounded self with, she was a, like, her thing was like, you don't need friends. Oh. You don't need friends. I don't, she would say about herself, I don't need, you know, and she would almost like look down on other people who need, who are like codependent, right? Because they needed their friends, and, you know, and she would pride herself on, you know, oh, you know, and I, you know, whatever. And I would always be like, how, like in stressful moments when I would call my friend, I was like, how does someone not have that friend that she can call at three o'clock in the morning, you know, like. But I still kind of lived into that for a long time, especially in grad school and mother early motherhood, where you're kind of like, you know, it, it's a very isolating experience. And I was like, no wonder in early motherhood when we're home and with our kids and we don't have to work, but we're focused, a lot of this shit comes up because it's yeah. like finally rest and safe space. <laughs> you got to like look at yourself in the mirror. And it wasn't until like I really you know, with Latina Mothers Collaborative that I consciously put myself in a community. Number one, because um, I think I was trying to, and you and I talked about this, like we're, I had trying to find like mom groups and stuff, but it was like, I just can't, I can't, like, I don't, I don't get this mom group thing. Like it's not me, <laughs> but it was with Latina Mothers Collaborative where I was working with other women who, you know, we were all Latinas and we were all moms and we were all. <laughs> and say it again. Soy mas. Like we were more, right? Soy mas. Yeah, right. Yes. We were, and, and we had our, our political ideas, you know, were in alignment and it really had me stepping out of my shell for the first time in a really long time, if like ever. And really recognizing the importance of community, but also, like, I think I didn't know how to do that. Like, I didn't know how to be in community without it, because it was always all or nothing. It was like, and I had told, I've shared this with you, right, when, 
when I would meet somebody and I would like gel with them, I was like, oh, I'm going to just like be your best friend <laughs> and put all my eggs in that basket. And inevitably things would kind of, you know, get a little shaky. And then I would say, well, like, fuck it, fuck you. I'm out completely. Um, and so I don't really, I don't think I knew how to be in a community. And I think in the, in these last several years, I've, I've really tried to step out of my comfort zone in that way and realizing deeply realizing how, like, again, after I got, get off this call earlier with all these, you know, people and just all the, and I'm like, fuck, like I need to be in these conversations with these people yeah. who just are so down with their shit and I'm like yes 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 you know just feeding off of that and also wanting to like contribute and um and the and so I think that's what this retreat was for as well is to be in this community with other people who have similar experiences and understand that these experiences are coming from these institutional you know messed up situations and we all speak the same language in that way and we can all heal together because what the white world is not getting when it comes to healing is they still think it's this isolated individual yeah, no. thing. You know, our path to enlightenment is going to be on our own and not like yeah. your fucking path to enlightenment is in the community, is with other people. It's not in some utopic world that you know we've been saying this i think in the last couple weeks right the kingdom of heaven (laughs) is now right or or the you love that so much i I do because it makes so much i mean as a catholic right we like it makes so much like it's not this like oh you know we're this afterlife like we're in without end in the future who knows when no it's now yeah and I love that. I love I think that the the fact that we found such resonance and it and emancipation or freedom in this way looks like facing oppression and facing oppressive techniques in our lives as Latina women of color, both sexism, racism, classism, all of it in our life. It came up again and again in everyone's circle. I yeah. think it is is very powerful. I wanted to say something about what you said earlier, and I can't remember. I I just I just relate so much to what you're saying. I think that um, gratitude to Latina Mothers Collaborative for bringing us together was one of the things I thought, you know. And then also, how bitchin' are our is our community? That's the other thing I thought. <laughs> <laughs> When Marla was posting stuff and, and it was like Carolina, uh, Danalia, you know, and, and Carissa. Carissa. And then I saw friends of white privilege attending it, you know, mm-hmm. and I who I I don't know how they found them, you know, maybe through me, maybe you know, with <laughs> our work. We were I talking thought, about that in the meeting. <laughs> we're oh, like really? we're like, how do what? Like <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I mean, the work is, you know, allies could be useful, but I, uh, yeah. I like decide that, you know, but, um, and then a friend from college who is a, a mixed, mixed woman, but, um, a Latina too is, I saw she liked some of the posts and I thought, how damn, these are my friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, every time, like, even for the Unidos, um, so for anyone who doesn't know, um, um, 
Marla Sanchez, who, um, you know, what would we call her? The founder of um, yeah. Unidos Homeschool Co Cooperative. Um, they're doing a special, again, San, and Santana, um, they're doing a special summer series taking, like you said, Chicana Motherworks curriculum. And so we're working with like a group of, I want to say like 40 families. And each week we're kind of taking the curriculum and, and we do, essentially we're doing like a little Zoom session once a week and, and breaking the, the groups up and, um, and every, and so I'm in the planning meetings and every, every week when we're in the planning meetings, I'm just looking at all these, I'm like, this is the revolution, right? Like sometimes we, we yeah. imagine the revolution as, and, 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 and I, you know, I, I shouldn't say that completely because I know that there's people literally on the streets and there's people doing their shit, like, you know, out. Camped out at Whittier, uh, police department. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's on the ground people. We need to make sure that they get, you know, the credit that they deserve. But I also think that there's other people who imagine this revolution as somewhere in this like mystical world. And then I'm sitting in these zoom meetings. I'm like, this is the fucking revolution, right? here we are shifting the perspective of what education is supposed to be what the goals are of education what the values are in education for yeah. our children and i just keep thinking imagine when these kids become teenagers imagine when they become adults and of course you know we don't want to place that burden on them either that it's gonna they're gonna be these like <laughs> revolutionaries <laughs> always call me on this but I'm like oh seven generations seven generations but it but it's still it's still something different than what we had and to just kind of imagine the possibilities is what brings me hope and you know um and yeah like you said we're in we're in community with these freaking like yeah amazing people just doing amazing work and sometimes um sometimes I do get a little intimidated I'm like I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I'm so, I mean, honestly, I'm, this is where like power with is so important. You know, like I don't need to have all the answers to this. You know, it's so wonderful that um, the community, our community is speaking to this and it's meeting a big need. It yeah. feels great to, you know, have, have taken a break for July, to come back in August. And now I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in for Unidos, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but also the the community call on you know the leader call on Wednesday. It was it, that was super empowering to be a part of it. I just thought, yeah. And I, I honestly, I think the curriculum that that you've all created, you know, that we are creating for this longer, you know, Chicana motherwork curriculum, like so powerful, yeah, so so unique, so radical, really. Just I like have this, to, yeah, I have, thing, you know, it's just. For us in our community, it's not radical; it's norm, right? <laughs> but so that for us in our in our families, you know, in our individual families, it's like I, I had a proud moment when. Um, so we've been reading this book. It feels good to be me, or something like that, and it's it's oh, about gender identity. And so I I read it to the kids before, and then um, I read it in our Unidos session last week, and so it kind of goes through like. Um, different kind like transgender non-binary you know cisgender like all that kind of stuff and so then this week for the curriculum one of the words was non-binary and so I write the words down on like a chalkboard and um, and I was like and I also go these are the words and then I kind of go through what the 
definitions are. And so I said, oh, and Chris like, I know what non-binary means. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah. And I was like, shit, what does he think it means? And he's like, it means when you're either both or neither. And I was like, you got it. <laughs> hey, ja this is, I, I really want to jump on this because I love it. Jaguar um, had, you know, was talking to a friend and they kept on saying she about him and it, and and anyways, it was just a little pronoun, you know, thing. But Jaguar is like, I'm not she. I'm he or they. Like, yes! You know, that freedom to play with those things. That's, that's yeah. what I'm getting, you know, from those. And I know my, when I was asking my kids, they were, they were just, you know, I see, I think, I don't know if they were confused or what, but um, they both kind of said that, um their their gender pronoun would be their name <laughs> like, that's the deal that's a thing though that's yeah that's it was interesting thing. I was like okay um and and then I just said well um I kind of was like offering because at first they were like I don't know and I said well if somebody said he like would that feel good or would that not feel good and they were like eh, I'd be okay and then what about she and they're like no <laughs> And I was like, what about they? And Chris like, well, if there's more than one of us, it could be they. <laughs> He's getting into, like his grammar. And I was like, yeah, but sometimes some people use they just for one person. And he was like, okay. And he like, yeah, he was like ready to move on. But, yeah. um, but again, like I'm thinking like when I was seven years old, I didn't know what the fuck non-binary we did. That wasn't even available, right? That language wasn't even available, nor much less the concept. Right, the concept of non-binary, maybe androgynous was the closest thing we had, but even then, that was still like for a very specific, I think I always thought of, um, the only time I ever heard, heard the word androgynous was referring to clothes, yeah. was referring to when women would wear suits and to say, oh, well, they're androgynous. And that, because this was like the 80s, right? Like the 80s yeah. was, that's when, when like the idea of women wearing suits you know, kind of was in fashion or whatever, but I just remember hearing that, but, but, it, but the concept of like your true inner gender being something other than boy, girl was never even in my no. like realm of possibility. So if, never. if that is all they ever get out of this whole curriculum, you know, that's still miles ahead of what I had at that age, you know, I mean, at four, five, six, seven, like to normalize just conversations about this, about yeah. gender fluidity, about non-binary, about race and sex and the world that we live in. That's it's simple, but radical work. And it speaks to me too. And so, because right. So much of this inner, this wounding of my inner child has to do with um, limitations in my community that didn't, that basically anytime we fell outside of these gendered or, you know, um, cultural norms, yeah, whatever, you know, culture it is, our family chose to take on whatever, you know, it was, oh, that's not okay. Like you yeah. can't be, the, you, you can't be those things here. Yeah. So then, so then the choice was you either stay and you conform or, you know, mm. you, you leave and you don't, personally leave because you're still a child you the part of you that's not acceptable has to leave you know yeah that's why it was so radical when I went to the LGBTQ center for therapy and she was like my therapist this amazing nine-year-old woman named Sharon 
who sometimes fell asleep, but sometimes gave me three hours of therapy. <laughs> she said, why can't you just, you know, be you, you know, like you don't have to leave the relationship. Why don't you just say, you know, mm. this is who I am. Can it, can I, can I be a part of this relationship? You know, instead mm. of, pre- instead of preemptively just being like, Oh, you're, you're not going to like me. I'm uh. doing this thing. So I got to leave, you know, um, thinking how much fight, flight, or fawn, like all those systems are, you know, part of yeah. cultural society too. You know, maybe there wasn't space to fight. It was just, you had to leave. Yeah. Well, this brings me to thinking about, I think what we imagine some future conversations are going to be some future episodes. I think that um, ugh, just as much as talking about, body politics was something that was like bubbling for a while that we really needed to address. And, and then we'll probably continue to address on some level. Um, I think sexuality, <laughs> sexuality is also something that we need to really do, um, at least on the podcast. We've definitely been yeah. doing it in our own lives and, and, and with each other. Yeah. But to be having those kinds of conversations on the podcast, I think are going to be important to really, I think, yeah, I think, I think there is a way that we can, you know, as I get older and I think about like, what is my future going to look like? Um, well, let me say this. So I appreciated in our last Unido session where the family, they're um, two non-binary parents um, with kids and they were talking about that, the experience of essentially being in a queer family and you know, all of that, all of that stuff that comes with, with that. And also one of the, one of the parents saying that they really encourage, especially young people to explore non-monogamy, right? To date, you know, to date around, (laughs) to date multiple people. And because of the, oftentimes the like constraints of, of a monogamous relationship, which yeah, this is a whole other thing. But this is to say that there's a freedom that I think, again, giving these, giving kids that yeah. model, that freedom to say like, yeah, maybe, you, maybe you date a couple, maybe, you know, or, or that monogamy is a choice, not an expectation, yeah. not a, uh, an imposition, you know, I think is, is so freeing. So as I imagine my own future, you know, in a marriage <laughs> and, and coming into my own you know, like almost 40, I'm 38, (laughs) you know, and just like, what is it that I want? Not just for my kids, right? Like we, oh, we want to give these kids so that they, but we still have a long life to live, you know, God willing, we still have a long life to live. And I want to be able to not just have this for my kids, but step into that for myself. You know, what is this, what is this future that I, that I want to, to live into, um, to decolonize my own sexuality and my own identity um and then model that for my kids rather than saying well my life is up so i gotta you know do this for my kids um and and so i think i puritan western society has like impacted that you know like how much you know my grandparents my abuelos basically are like yeah go out and date go (laughs) oh my god i think that freedom never had that i would have i think Ah. i I know now you know why I love them so much, but, but it's it, in, and it's, it yeah. countered, like, you know, um, oh, you know, what is that culture? The 
the culture I grew up in, my subculture, which is you're not going to kiss till you get married. Oh, God. You're going to always court to date. Oh, God. It was so awful. It was so limiting. And it was, I mean, you you heard me yell about it. It was patriarchy. Yeah. And anyway, I think that, um, I think that that's an important conversation for us to have because there's just, there's so much to grapple with, you know, in terms of like how, how far we've come in, in, in our own exploration of our individual sexuality. And I think there's still much more to explore. You know, there's so much more left to explore. I love that we've been talking for like an hour and 40 minutes on this call almost. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and Tommy's like text calling me and texting me like he's at the market. Um, So I I do want to like just kind of end this episode. And then here's what I want to say. I think there's so much because we've also been on these spiritual journeys. I did this amazing class with Esoteric Essa connecting to my spirit guides. And it was freaking amazing, life-changing. And a big, huge shout out because she also came on, on our on our book club. And that was so amazing, as did Sonia Renee Taylor. Yeah. And the, the, what I want to say is that, and I, and I almost wanted to say this at our retreat, but, you know, I was like, yeah, it sounds weird. But I want to give a huge gratitude um, from me to you because, <laughs> because, I, because I think that... Um, you know, I, I do believe that people come into your life for a reason. And I, I do think that our ancestors have been like, mm-hmm. and being like, we need to fucking get these two together and we, cause they're going to create some stuff. But I, I want to also name that I've been thinking about like, what is our partnership? Right. And I was, I was telling you about this <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, partners always sound so like it's a romantic partner. Right. And business partner, I hate that because it's like super capitalist and just not. And I'm like writing, but we do more than just write. And so I thought we are creative partners. <laughs> and I just wanted to name that for us and say, yes, we are in this creative partnership, you know, where we, we are, are allowing ourselves to explore the different possibilities of what that means, you know, going from you know, teaching the workshop to it, becoming a, an online class to creating this podcast and now this book club and who knows what is, what's in store for us. But I think I imagine, and I, I the only model I have is when I see like old <laughs> Hollywood, like screenwriters, like these Jewish like <laughs> men, right? And they're like, oh, I've had my writing partner for like, you know, decades and they, you know, they make movies together. And, you know, even if they have their own individual projects, they still always come together. And I, and I just, that's what I see us as like that we can do our own thing and we can have our own selves, but we're still always going to like rely on each other, you know, and have this like partnership in this way. And honestly, this retreat, you know, I think it was just meant for us to, to be together and to, to be in this, in in a space, in a physical space together. And I think it's going to, you know, strengthen, (laughs) not just our bond, but strengthen our work, like really put some deep uh, foundation to whatever, you know, we do from, from here on out. And I just want to, you know, (laughs) just give gratitude to that. I just, I feel so loved and my body's all tingly. (laughs) It's like, I just love, you know, um, 
it's such a beautiful thing that to have, you know, someone want to invest that energy and time for like a retreat getaway, you know, I think the retreat really coming after this season, this long season, but like, um, which, which, you know, we, we started with, um, woman who glows in the dark and I'm bringing Sylvia. Like, I just love that you trust, you know, <laughs> who I, who was coming in. And honestly, it just feels like such a beautiful organic growth. It just, mm-hmm. that's the word organic. I think, and I, and I, I've been thinking about this too. Like that's where our best ideas come from, from the, from the decisions we make on a whim. <laughs> we, we, we were like, we're going to create this, this online class. And then we're like, and you were kind of pushing for a podcast and I was kind of like, ah, and then it was like, well, let's just record this episode with Danelia and like, see what happens. Three times. <laughs> and then the class like went nowhere, but this podcast blew up. And then it was like, and then you were like, Hey, let's, I want to read this book. Maybe we start a book club. And I was like, yes, let's do it. And then it just, seven Enneagram, right? My, my like, you know, wild ideas would come into play. Yeah. What's the next one? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, it's like when we, I feel like sometimes when we're trying to force something, it doesn't work. But when yeah. these moments come where we're just like, let's just try it and see what happens or let's just, you know, and, and these organic things, you know, come up and, um, I, I know, I know there's some stuff in our future. I see it, but I don't see what it is, but I see it. Um, I, although I still, I, I will say what I see. I do see you and I having like, and I don't know which anniversary, but some anniversary, <laughs> like, I don't know if it's five years or 10 years or what, you know, but I just see this celebration of of something you know um and 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 telling these stories of like how it all started and what a beautiful kid i'm like gonna cry you know just that one that little meeting at the you know maple village and it just you know it'll be two years in november will be two years (laughs) isn't that crazy it's such a beautiful thing honestly i think we're bitching i just want to name the fact that (laughs) we're both are teaching full-time you know you seven me five classes that's that's a lot it's a lot um we're both like taking care of our children basically full-time with very involved co-parents which is great we have the podcast we've got the book club i think i'm i am waiting just like you are you know hearing what what are what are the ancestors telling us we got to do next you know (laughs) but the fullness of what we're doing i think i mean i mean it's it's ex. I think we're able to do that because we're doing it together. There's no, you know, yes. not like, like I guess I'm saying practically speaking, you know, too, certainly like psychologically and emotionally and everything, yeah. but like, it feels like what we do is pretty like magical in its amount, you know, given yeah. what's on our plate. So, but I think this is also the stuff that like, um, I can give gratitude to you with your threeness to your, your, <laughs> your energy and your output. It's like my, my, what is it? It's like, <laughs> I don't know. That's, it's so funny. Like it's, it's the, it's the public persona, right? Like it's the, like the, the attention seeker the like, and I think, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I definitely would not want to do this by myself. And I, and I also think like, yes, we have a lot on our place, but I also feel like, 
this is the fun stuff. Like, yeah, sometimes it's tedious to like have to like, you know, do certain things. But I also like, I've never been like, oh, fuck, I have book club today. Or like, oh, fuck, you know, like, it's always been like, all right, I got book club. And, <laughs> you know, or I was more like, oh, should I have it read? <laughs> I have to like, you know, read or whatever. But I, I love being in that space. And I love, um, I also do have to say that I really love this community that we've created in the last couple of months of the book club. Shout out to all our book club members because, I don't know, there, there is something definitely magical about that. And I, I just, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a super social person, but I'm like, oh my God, when we get out of this, I want to have a book club, in-person book club meeting and hug everybody. <laughs> I'm not a hugger, but I want to hug everybody and just be like, you know, um, but also thinking like the opportunity that this situation brought us to have that had this not happened, we, I don't think we would have thought to do a book club, at least not in this way. Yeah. And, so, you know, again, finding like the gratitude in, in, in a moment that feels like there is none, you know, but yes. Anyway, so we're going to end the episode now because we've been on forever. <laughs> it might be, I might have to cut it up into two, but um, yeah, but we're going to be, we'll be coming with some more, some more episodes. So you know what we could do? Let's sign off and then we'll, and then we'll sign off this recording. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>